Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Thanks for listening to the Activate podcast, the ministry of Journey Church International in Lee Summit, Missouri. My name is Brandon, and joining me today is Pastor Christian Newsom, lead pastor of JCI. We are in a series entitled The Lamb Making Sense of Easter. And in this series, we continue to learn more about the person of Jesus so that we can experience Easter like never before. Pastor Christian, you talked about the offerings of the nation of Israel 3,400 years ago um, this past Sunday. We can read about these in the book of Leviticus. Would you would you take a moment and briefly review with the listeners of this podcast about the various Old Covenant offerings of Israel? Yeah, so just real quick, all of these are how we review, how we view our relationship with God and kind of where we are in our relationship with God. So uh, we talked about the five offerings uh, of Israel. The first one was the sin offering. Obviously, you offered it for forgiveness. The second one was the guilt offering. It was for restitution, understanding there are consequences to sin. Even when it's forgiven, someone has to pay for it. Uh, the burnt offering was the third one. It was the only sacrifice that was offered completely, completely burned up. It symbolized somebody who was all in, totally committed. The fourth was the grain offering, which symbolized a trust in God. You would give the first parts of basically the fruits and grains that were coming in. You were telling God, I really rely more on you than what's being um, grown in the field um, for my sustenance long term. And then the last one is the fellowship offering or the peace offering. Uh, which was really kind of the focus of this message through the lens of Jesus in the Last Supper, um, just sitting down to have a meal um, with God and his representative that allows you to come close to God. So I really appreciated from the message this this past Sunday how you connected those offerings of Israel to our relationship with God today. Um, I'm curious, when in your life have you offered each of these Old Covenant offerings? Yeah, I find that people progress through these offerings as they progress in their understanding of who God is, which is sure. the purpose of this series, right? Understanding God in a way that helps us not just make sense of Easter, but helps us really understand who Jesus is. So I would say probably I offered the sin offering when I when I realized that my sin deserved death. When I compared myself to Jesus for the first time, going back to our message on the basin, and I realized I was sinful. I was six years old the first time I really thought, man, I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins so that one day I can live with God in heaven. That wouldn't be the the, the last time that I would offer that sin offering. Um, man, sometimes daily I feel like I'm sure. coming to God again and say, man, forgive me. I know Jesus would have done that, and I didn't. I know Jesus would have never done that, and I did. So I find myself offering the sin offering a lot. Uh, I think I began to offer the guilt offering, which is just this understanding of of restitution. Um, not that you have to make things right, but that sin has consequences um, and really impacts people negatively. I think I began to learn that in high school. I learned not only was sin something that separated me from God, but sin was something that it that hurt people. Sin was something that took life from people, not just from me, the sinner, but people that were impacted by it. And I think I began to understand a little bit the guilt offering of, man, when I sin, I'm not just wrong before God, I'm wrong before people. And I want to make that right. So I think in beginning to understand that sin had consequences that were not just negative for me, but negative for others, I think kind of in that high school time, I realized... um Man, sin makes me guilty. Sin has consequences that are really negative. Uh, I think the the time that I offered 
the burnt offering, the first time I said I'm all in, was right before my senior year of high school. I went to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes football camp, um, and I really realized Jesus wanted more of me than Sunday. Jesus wanted more of me than my eternity. Jesus wanted all of me. And sitting in the back row of a little conference center in Crawfordsville, Indiana, I, I kind of said I'm all in. I think that was probably the first time I would have offered a burnt offering saying, Jesus, you can have all of me. You can have my sports. You can have my relationships. You can have my future. That probably came full circle uh, when I was a, a junior at Liberty and I finally committed to go into the ministry. I'd been running from it a long time. I think that was probably the last part of that burnt offering of saying, Gosh, Lord, you can you can have it all. Um, I think only in my late 30s am I beginning to offer probably the grain offering. Am I beginning to trust that God really is all I need? Uh, I'm trying not to place my security in things other than God. So I think I'm just now probably beginning to offer the grain offering of saying, God, uh, I'm going to trust you for my life, for my future, not my savings account, not my retirement not even our church and how great it is or the people around our church, but I'm really going to trust you. Uh, and I think I am probably in the last 10 years beginning to understand the fellowship offering, the peace offering um, a little more, uh, understanding that uh, that God doesn't just love me, but he wants to spend time with me. Not only does God love me, he likes me, uh, and he wants, he wants to spend time with me. So I think I'm learning to kind of spend time with God relationally, not as a task to check off my checklist of Christian things that I do, but as a relationship with a uh, with a person um, who who I want to get to know and spend time with. So let's talk about that time a little bit. This this last Sunday, you used the word time as an acronym. Um, each letter stood for something else, and you made a statement that I often found to be true in my own life. You said nobody has time for God, but everybody can make time. Would you take a moment and just talk about the acronym of the word time? Yeah, and that's, you know, something the first time I put it in my sermon notes, I had, you know, people, the only people who really spend time with God are people who have time. And I thought, that's not right. No one has time. They they make time. Um, so we said time. If you want to, if you want to know the heart of somebody who makes time to spend time with God, uh, it's someone who letter T is thankful uh, you know, people who spend time with God, they do it because they're thankful for what he's done for them. The I stands for intentional. If you look at people who are spending time with God, it's because they're intentional, not because they're bored, not because they're not busy, but because they intentionally have chosen to spend time with God. The M stands with moments with God being more important than moments for God. It's just people who realize that the foundation of their Christianity is not the church service that they sit in, but the relationship that they spend time in with God outside of church. Those moments with your Bible, with some worship music, with a journal, uh, with a prayer journal, just kind of spending time with God. And then the E is these people exist um, at peace with God. They have they have peace in their hearts. So if you look at people who are thankful, if you look at people who are intentional, if you look at people who seem to be at peace with God, it's because they're spending time with God, and, and it's because they're making time to spend time with God. So let's get really practical for a moment. Would you mind sharing with us how you spend time with God on a daily basis? What does that look like? If we could sneak a peek into your life, what does that look like? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um and I'm glad you asked it to me because I, for the longest time, I, I don't know that I knew how to spend time with God. Like I knew I was supposed to read my Bible, maybe say a prayer, but I really didn't have a set rhythm or routine. Um, and, and now I, I do. I have one that works for me. Now, I will say this. On a daily basis, I try to practice the presence of God wherever I am. 
so when I see a beautiful sunset, I'll, I'll praise God. Uh, when I get a good phone call, I'll hang up and say, thank you, God. When I get bad news, I say, help me, God. Like I try to practice the presence of God. That's, that's beyond any rhythm or routine that I have. I just try to practice the presence of God on a daily basis. I try to make it seem as if Jesus is with me in everything that I do, and he continues to become more and more real to me as I do that. So practicing the presence of God is one way that I spend time with God. But if you would ask me my routine of what I do to kind of sit down, my appointment with God, uh, on a perfect day, my day would look like this. My alarm goes off at about five till six. I get up by six o'clock. Uh, I'm on the treadmill for 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, I'm usually trying to listen to some kind of sermon or ministry podcast during that time. Uh, and then after I finish that, I go into my office in the basement of my home for about an hour. Um, and I always start off in my journal. Uh, I have a daily journal that I write in. I'll pick it up. I'll write usually two, no more than three sentences of, hey, here's what's going on in my life. Really what I'm trying to do is check the temperature of my emotions and my spirit, feeling good, feeling heavy, feeling down, not sleeping enough, got to eat better, had a fight with Danielle, really enjoyed something the kids did last night. It's just kind of me saying, hey, here's what's going on in life. And then from there, I'll get my Bible out. Uh, and I'll get my Bible reading plan out, and I'll try to read my day's reading for that day. I go through the Journey Church International Bible reading plan like a lot of people do. I use a study Bible, so I'll read over my three or four chapters of Scripture, and then I'll go read over the notes for all those three or four chapters of Scripture. I underline everything I read in my Bible. It's just a habit that I picked up from a mentor many, many years ago. So I underline literally every word that I read, and as things stick out to me, so before I ever read my Bible, I take a deep breath and I pray Samuel's uh, answer to God when God spoke to him. I take a deep breath and I say, Lord, speak because your servant's listening. I say it every day before I read. And then as I read, I'll look for what theology calls illumination. Um, I'll look for that verse that jumps off the page. I'll look at that verse that applies to something that happened yesterday, something that's happening today, something that's happening tomorrow. I'll look for the verse or the section of verses it seems like it's it, that it was written just for me, sure. just for that day. And there's almost always one. And as I read, sometimes there's ten. So I will circle in my Bible, I'll circle that verse, and I'll make a note in my Bible. Read my four chapters, then I'll go read every study note, that's in the Bible so I can learn some other little things that I didn't know before. And then before I finish my Bible reading for the day, I'll get my journal. I'll go back through those four chapters and I'll look for every verse that I circled, every note that I made, and I'll find the one that sticks out to me the most. And I'll put that one in my journal along with a little prayer of how I want to accomplish the truth that I've learned. From there, I've got a little Proverbs devotional that I'm reading by Tim Keller right now. I always try to have a daily devotional in addition to my Bible reading, I don't just want to ask the Spirit to speak direct, directly to me. I want someone else to speak even more directly to me. For the days when I'm in Chronicles and I read 700 names that mean nothing to me, I want to be able to have a little devotional guide that on that day says, hey, this is for you spiritually. So, I, so right now, this year, uh, I read kind of through a little Proverbs devotional. I have a section in my journal titled Proverbs, so I'll read, I'll circle, I'll underline things that stand out. I'll go into my journal and put my thought from the day from Proverbs, and after I finish doing that, I have a prayer journal. Um, I pray different things every day of the week. Sunday, I pray for 
the ministry that God has called me to. On Monday, I pray for the church and the things going on in the church. On Tuesday, I pray for kind of the burdens of my life and the next stages of ministry that God has called me to. Um, but, you know, I get down to Saturday and I pray for the people God's given me leadership over. I pray for my family. I pray for our staff by name every week. I pray for our elders and their families by name every week. I pray for people who are hurting um, in our church. I pray for my emotional health one day and my spiritual health one day. So I'll go, I'll open the journal to that that verse that I pray in the page. I'll put a date down if there's a specific prayer request within that. Like for you, every Monday as I've been praying for our church, Every Monday, the last few Mondays are dated, and I've got that I'm praying for the second campus. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for our team so I can go back and look at what I've been praying um, every year. And then after I get done kind of working through that, filling out my prayer journal, um, I get on my knees with my journal, with my prayer journal. I've got a little three-by-five index card with the armor of God on it that I pray through every day, and I will thank God for what he's taught me in Scripture and ask him help me to apply it. I'll read through the section of um, my prayer time that day, the, the thing that I'm focused on specifically praying for, and then I'll end by praying on the armor of God, asking him to help me do that. Um, and then I'll get off my knees, and if I have time, I usually try to spend an hour uh, with God from 7 to 8. Every day if I have time, I usually have a book that I'm reading, and I'll try to read one chapter in some kind of book that's preparing me for leadership, for ministry, uh, for some sermon series that we're doing. Uh, because a lot of my ministry is emptying myself, um, you know, mentally every day. I'm mentoring, I'm mentoring people, I'm leading people, so I have to fill up with that stuff, or I'm going to be like pouring out nothing, right? If you pour out but you never refill, um, you pour out nothing. So my goal between six and eight a.m. every day, if I'm having a good week, is to spend time working out, is to spend time filling up, is to spend time with God. That's my appointment with God, and then I get up and go to work. I made it a point several years ago to never have my quiet time during the work day because I thought that was cheap. Um, I thought, you know, I can't ask the people in my church to spend time with God if part of my part of the thing I get paid for is to have my quiet time. So I made it a point that I would always do it early in the morning or late at night so I could put in a full day of work and I could do um, at least as much as I was asking our people to do. So that's that's what my daily appointment looks like. Um, but then beyond that, I just really try to practice the presence of God uh, everywhere I am, just realizing when God is moving, when God's been good, when I need God's help um, on a daily basis. So that's incredible. I'm listening to all of that, and I'm taking notes just to hear this this routine that you have. What would you say to the podcast listener right now that said, I want to do that? I really want to do everything he just said, but I just feel like I can't. Where would he, where would you challenge them to start? Yeah, so I would say you can. First of all, you can, because I used to think I can't do that. I'm not a morning person. I'm too busy. I can't do that. I would say, yes, you can. You can do anything that you'll get disciplined to do. Uh, I would say get a Bible, get a Bible reading plan, get a journal, start with 15 minutes. Uh, right. You don't have to go an hour. Sometimes I'll go an hour, hour and a half. You don't have to go that long. Right. I'm I'm wearing this white, no distractions wristband. That reminds me that 15 minutes a day is 1% of my time a day. 15 minutes a day is 1% of my time a day. If, if you would just give God 1%, start with a journal, a Bible reading plan, and give God 15 minutes. You'll read your Bible all the way through in a year, and you'll be writing down at least one verse a day if you would process it. You can do that in 15 minutes. So just just start. Get an accountability partner. Get a Bible reading plan together. 
go buy Bibles together, go buy journals together, and just start through this process and check in with each other. Um, once a month or once every two weeks, bring your Bibles and journals together and open it up and say, hey, what'd you get on Wednesday? What'd you get on Wednesday? Um, and just compare notes, see how God was speaking to you. And eventually, just practicing the presence of God in those things will spur. You won't be able to live without those times. You'll feel so empty um, and isolated if you don't have that spiritual time with God. So I would say just start one day at a time, find an accountability partner, get a plan, and, and go. Start with 15 minutes, 1% of your day, 14.4 minutes. Give it 15 minutes and just start. We can make that time, definitely. So you stated that the fellowship offering was almost always the last offering offered by Israel 3,400 years ago and by most Christians today. Can you explain in more detail what you meant when you said the fellowship offering transitions religion into a relationship? What, what's the difference between religion and a relationship when it comes to Christianity? Yeah, so here's what I would say. It's one that's a hard question to ask or a hard question to answer, um, but there's an easy way to understand it. So I, I would I would say this. Is it more important to be right with God or to be with God? Is it more important to have the things of God or to have God, right? M- God got so frustrated with the Israelites that he told Moses at one point, listen, go. You can have the promise. You can have the land. You can have all the blessings. I ain't going with you. Just go. You're driving me crazy. You go. You can have everything I promise. I'm not going with you. And Moses said, no. You are the promise. Moses said, I don't want your stuff. I don't want your blessings. It's not enough for us to just know we're right with you. We want to be with you. And if you won't be with us, we're not going. You're like, we're with you. Wherever you are, we're with you. Um, that's the thought of having a relationship with God. The sin offering helped make people right with God. The guilt offering helped make people right with God. The burnt offering helped make people right with God. The grain offering helped get people in the right mindset towards God. But it was only the fellowship offering that allowed them to spend time with God. This two-day offering where God would say, hey, let's just hang out. I just got done uh, reading through the book of Joshua. That was my Bible reading for the day. When they got to, they finally defeated Jericho. They defeated Ai. They defeated Bethel. And they finally went to Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim to kind of, you know, read the blessings and the curses of Israel. They finally settled into the land to begin having the land as their own. And it said when they settled into the land, they gave an abundance of burnt offerings and peace offerings. What were they saying? We're all in and we just want to hang out with God. Peace offerings, fellowship offerings. Remember, it's the same thing. It's a me- it's a meal with God. You are invite. You're saying, hey, now that I'm right with God, it's not that I just want to be right with God. I actually want to hang out with God. And there are a lot of people today who want to be right with God so they can have His blessings in their life, but they really don't care to spend any time with God. They want what God offers, but not who God is. And the difference between religion and a relationship is you begin to want what you want who God is more than you want what God offers, because who God is, is the greatest thing that he can offer you. That's the difference between religion and relationship. That's the picture of what the fellowship offering does for us. Hey, it's great to know that I'm right with you, but now I just want to be with you. We just get to spend some time together, which is a great picture of the Lord's Supper, having a meal with Jesus, which is a great picture of the end times banquet, a banquet meal with the Heavenly Father. All of it comes from this theme of the offerings of the Old Testament. So real quick, you asked a great question for us to consider this week, uh, speaking of meals and 
And I'd love to ask you this question. If you could select from anyone in the world, who would you have a meal with? If you could select from anyone in the world, who would you sit down to have a meal with? So Jesus would clearly be one of the guys. If I could select anyone in the, in the, in the world to have a meal with, Jesus would be one of the guys. Abraham Lincoln has become one of my just, you know, great heroes, um, you know, as a, as a former history major. I love Abraham Lincoln. I would love to hear more about his life and his struggle uh, as he freed the people from slavery. And then my greatest Old Testament hero in the world is Elijah. I would love to, I'd love to have a meal with Elijah and talk about what happened on Mount Carmel, talk about what happened on Mount Sinai when God revealed himself to him, talk about what it was like every day of your life to see less provision, but to have the birds come and feed you. Uh, to have a meal with those three guys would, would be incredible. But really, pick anyone in the Bible, um, the good guys anyway, and I'd love, to, I'd love to have a meal with any of them. Maybe not Cain, you know, he had a kind of an angry bent to him. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe not some of those people. Um, but yeah, those, those three for sure. So let's flip the question a little bit like you did in the message. If Jesus was coming to your house for dinner and you could invite any three friends or family members, who are, who are you inviting? Yeah, so we talked about friends or family members who may not know Jesus yeah. or who may need to know Jesus yeah. in a special way. Um, I've got a few neighbors that I don't think know Jesus like I know Jesus yet who I would love to um, invite without going into any names sure. you know, yeah, on, probably on a public podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I've got some people in my life who are hurting. And I think their hurt has caused them to question the heart of Jesus a little bit. And I think if I could, if I could bring those people to have a meal with Jesus, uh, I just know their hearts would be encouraged. You know, I don't know if you've read the um, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe series, the, the Chronicles of Narnia that C.S. Lewis has written. But the first one of that series, before the kids actually get to, to Narnia, not even sure what it's called, um, the Lion, the it, Witch, and the Wardrobe. I don't is I don't I'm not sure if that's one. the yeah. very first Pretty one. Sure. Um, but there's one in the series before that uh, that has a, a a little boy named Diggory, who is the guy who kind of found and then eventually set up the wardrobe that would become the famous book in that series. Um, and Diggory's mom was sick, and he and his little friend found themselves somehow. They got into Narnia at the kind of at the breath of creation. They got to see earth created through the voice of God. Um, and he got to meet Aslan, the great lion in the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe. But his mom was sick and his mom was dying. And he had a challenge in this book that, that Aslan, the great lion of Narnia, representing Jesus, asked him to you know, basically sneak behind enemy lines to get this golden apple and to bring it back to him so that he could plant the tree of life so that all other people might have life. And while Diggory was on this mission for Aslan, getting this golden apple, he thought about his mom laying sick in bed, and he thought, I not only need to get one for Aslan, I need to steal one for my mom. I need to take care of her, too. He, he wasn't supposed to, but you see this little boy in this book as you read it. And so he gets two, he steals one, and he sneaks it to Aslan, and he goes and he gives the one apple to Aslan that he asked for, and then Aslan asks him about the one that he stole. And it said in that moment, he looked into Aslan's eyes, and as only C.S. Lewis can say it, he said he realized at that moment that Aslan was totally aware of what was going on with his mom, and he cared as deeply or more deeply than he did. And he realized that he could trust him with the fate of his mother. So he gave him the other apple too. And of course, Aslan, you know, heals his mom and she ends up living and, and they have a great experience. But that moment, I think if we could see into the eyes of Jesus, like that little boy saw into the eyes of that lion, 
we would be comforted from every pain that we've ever experienced, from every fear that we've ever experienced, from every doubt that we've ever had. I think if we could see into the eyes of Jesus just one time, um, it would bring understanding that we could never have. And I've got some hurting Christians in my life that if they could come to a meal with Jesus and just look into his eyes once, I think so much of their life and future could be different because they would learn his love and they would learn how they could trust him um, in a way that Scripture says, but maybe that would only be revealed by one day looking deeply into his eyes. Well, Pastor Christian, thanks for another great episode of the Activate Podcast. And we want to thank you for listening to the podcast today. We pray that our conversation today was helpful. And we pray that you have an incredible Easter weekend celebrating Jesus with your, with your friends and your family. We'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for listening to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. If you are ever in the Kansas City area, we would love for you to join us for one of our Sunday worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Also, if you have enjoyed this podcast, help us get the word out and show your support by subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes or Google Play. Please share this episode with all your friends on social media. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.